Hello? Hi. Oh. Hi, how you doing? Fine. Stand by your window so I can see you. You sound a million miles away. That's much better. I see your mom went ape at the security store today. You look like the prisoner of Zender or something. How long has it been since you slept? It's coming up on the seventh day. It's okay, I checked Guinness. The record's 11. Listen, Glenn. I know who he is. Who? The killer. You do? Yes. And if he gets me, I'm pretty sure you're next. Me? Why would anybody want to kill me? Don't ask. Just give me some help nailing the guy when I bring him out. Bring him out of what? My dream. How do you plan to do that? Just like I did the hat. Have a hold of the sucker when you wake me up. Wait, wait a minute. You can't bring somebody out of a dream. If I can't, then you can all relax, because it's just a case of me being nuts. Yeah, well, I can save you the trouble. You're nutty as a fruitcake. I love you anyway. Good. Then you won't mind cold-cocking this guy when I bring him out. What? You heard me. I grab the guy in my dream. You see me struggling, so you wake me up. We both come out, you whack the fucker, and we got him. Are you crazy? Hit him with what? Meet me at my porch at midnight. Oh, and meanwhile. Meanwhile? Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Oh, you want to play psycho killer? Can I be the helpless victim? Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. I am the eater of wolves and of children. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Welcome to another spooky installment of the greatest October in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 115, A Nightmare on Elm Street. I wish we could start this off with that really sweet New Line Cinema intro from the beginning of the movie. <laughs> you mean the visual yeah. of it? Yeah. <laughs> if that was possible. It would possible. be great if we were incorporating visuals <laughs> into this. I don't know. It really makes me nostalgic for a time. That old New Line Cinema. Yeah. Even though it's kind of a silly looking graphic, a I really enjoy it. A time you weren't even born. Yeah. <laughs> a better time. Okay, so let's put all the cards out on the table here. We obviously love to plan out the episodes that we're going to do. 
We've been talking about it all along that we wanted to do six for The Greatest October. And one of them was going to be Reanimator. And I got so far as to starting the movie. And you're like, wait a minute. Page and a half or so of notes even. <laughs> this <And> feels <laughs> familiar. It dawned on me that the basic premise of Reanimator is very similar to Pet Cemetery in a lot of ways. I mean, not that they're the same movie, but the idea. Too similar. Yeah, it would be like doing Ginger Snaps and Jennifer's Body in the same month. Right. Something that we would never do. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's the same basic well, We learned from our mistakes. Of bringing people back from the dead and those people being evil-ish. Yeah. So a last-second substitution was made. We uh, turned to a classic. classic. Yeah. A Nightmare on Elm Street, a heavy hitter by anyone's standards, really. Yep. A master of horror, Wes Craven original. Yeah, I mean, I consider this kind of the definitive horror movie of my youth in the sense that I can remember seeing just televised commercials for, I don't know, probably not the original, probably one of the sequels, but just the idea of Freddy Krueger in general oh, seems right. so terrifying to me. Uh- well, yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm sure we'll spend a decent amount of time talking about it, but like just the gimmick alone from this movie, really great stuff here. I mean, yeah. as far as frightening to a kid, you start thinking about like what you're going to do in that situation. I mean, there is nothing. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. I will say, I mean, there is one scene. I, I saw this movie for the first time, you know, on TV as a youth, just during one of those October months where they showed a bunch of horror movies on USA or uh, AMC or one of those channels and... One scene in particular just scared the shit out of me, and it's the uh, you know the Johnny Depp scene that we'll get to later. Yeah. I mean, it gave me nightmares. It it made me not want to sleep in my own bed. I'm pretty sure we mentioned this in one of the other episodes, although I don't remember which one, and it's possible we cut it out. But when I was younger, there was a difference to me between something that was genuinely scary in the sense that it could happen, like Jaws, or... Maybe even Zelda from Pet Cemetery, as we talked about. You know, it's like a real disease. Oh, right, and all this yeah. Stuff. And then there's things like the Toxic Avenger, which I referenced, which I just found upsetting. Yeah. And this kind of fit into that, where it's just so gross, and I just didn't... It's. Uh, yeah. it, I wasn't ready to see some of these visuals this the movie, first time I was seeing them. This movie certainly isn't. wouldn't be considered paranormal, really, but that kind of stuff really freaked me out as a kid, just because I was always like, what would you possibly do? In defense of these things. (laughs) I think you can say that the best horror movies set up a premise where there's no easy out. Right. If somebody watching... You can't logic your way out of it. Yeah, if somebody watching at home or in the theater can think, why aren't the characters doing this, this is an easy out, then it's not as scary. So you want your elevator pitch of your horror movie to be great. And what better elevator pitch than... A monster that kills you in in your sleep. Right, yes. You can't escape it. He's in your nightmares. Your only way of fighting it is to try to not go to sleep, which is something that's basically impossible if you're a living human being. Yeah, truly, for horror movies, and I think comedies as well, you want your elevator pitch to be as simple as possible and to get the point across immediately. And what better than... A Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, it's perfect, really. Oh, for sure. Oh, And although, I mean, we are talking glowingly about this movie and how it's like a great horror movie, and I do think that the gimmick is great, but I guess it should be pointed out, really not that scary of a movie on rewatch. 
No, most things it's, aren't. Uh, very silly. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, I think we've discussed that plenty over the few years that we've been doing these Greatest Octobers. I mean, there really isn't that scary of movies once well, that's you true. reach a certain Yeah, I mean, age. you even go on years later when the first Scream movie came out. I mean, it, I was scared of just the trailers of that. But now you can watch that, you know, years removed, and it's like, oh, this is actually just as much of a comedy as it is a horror movie. As we mentioned, The Greatest October just really rolling along. I think we got one more left for you. Hopefully everyone's really Yeah, hopefully this, this month has really delivered on all of our promises. It's really gotten you fired up for Halloween. Anyway, so follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And we thank everyone for listening and thank everyone for their continued support. So without any further ado, let's get into it. As you mentioned, New Line Cinema, it's kind of been a thing for years. I don't really know where New Line Cinema is today. I don't know how much it still exists, but for a long time, it was considered the house that Freddie built, and that's because it really wasn't anything before A Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. They, it was this on the like brink the of bankruptcy. Oh, okay, yeah. And was basically just a storefront with a couple employees, and they got behind this movie. Wes Craven had by this point, done two classics, The Last House on the Left and The Hills Have Eyes, but had also done a couple of TV movies and some lesser stuff, and I think he did the first Swamp Thing movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. So he was kind of at the beginning stage of his career, and he came up with this idea, and he was shopping it around, and it really took a lot to get this movie made. I don't think I've ever actually seen Swamp Thing, but I can remember always seeing it for rent at the local video store by my childhood home and always wanting to rent it, I but I never did. I think I watched maybe about half of it. It was kind of boring. Yeah. But his first successes were still kind of cult classic type successes. It wasn't like making the last house on the left was getting him like this huge career well i mean did he ever really get past that what do you mean like only kind of making cult classics uh well a nightmare on elm street well the whole thing that i'm saying this Uh, movie was like a huge success and they built the whole studio around it. that's true yeah and scream was like a monster success yeah i don't know i guess i still it just doesn't seem like he made that many like great movies I mean, as far as horror directors go, I mean, he's probably one of the top. Okay, yeah. I mean, if you have four bona fide classics in your career, how many can even compete with that, even as, like, non-horror directors? That's true. You're in kind of a rare class. Yeah. How how long was he involved with this franchise? I mean, I know, obviously... Only the first one. Okay. Which kind of plagued him throughout his... Or at least until Scream, when he was able to get full control over a new franchise, because he kind of lost any creative say-so in this, because, you know, he sold it out to do it in the first place, and so he didn't really have any Well, yeah, weren't you telling me when we were watching it that, like, the ending of the movie is not the ending that he wanted? Right, yeah, I mean, he had to make a compromise even in the creation of this one. Oh, wow, yeah. So he struggled to try to find a different franchise. He made the movie Shocker, which was like a huge failure, and it didn't materialize into a different franchise. But I like the name, though. Eventually he got Scream, and that, right. for a modern audience, has probably almost surpassed The Nightmare on Elm Street in terms of importance. It would, Yeah, it definitely uh, It was a, a moment, I would say. I don't know what it is about guys like Craven or John Carpenter, but once they kind of made their way more into the mainstream studio system, they had a harder time coming out with quality stuff. I and don't I know think, if I you can know, hear this. John Carpenter's Vampires? 
you get more cooks in the kitchen and studio budgets involved you don't have as much creative control and then by the time the movie comes out it's not really what you wanted you know? right yeah yeah i don't know i think he definitely had some misses but so does most hor- so do most horror directors oh really. for sure yeah and you know i think the fact that he he managed to come up with a nightmare on elm street as an original idea on his own, I mean... I agree. I think there's a lot of credit to there. Again, it can't be overstated. I think this is such a great gimmick. Obviously, we have the classic universal monsters. You have your Dracula, Wolfman, Mummy, Frankenstein's monster, etc. And Uh that's your original classic horror movie characters. And then I think you have a new class, and certainly Freddy Krueger is... Right up there oh, with yeah. well, Jason the Voorhees, Michael Myers, Michael Myers, Leatherface, and maybe somebody that we'll be talking about in the next episode after this. But yeah, I mean, I think if you can come up with something that's that lasting, oh, absolutely. You know, this movie is almost as old as I am. <laughs> and yeah, and I mean, how how many obsessed with how it. many have there been? Do you know? Is that in the notes anywhere? Well, there was seven originals. And then Freddy versus Jason, and then the remake, the remake. with Jackie Earl Haley right. playing Freddy Krueger. Okay, that's quite a run. Which I guess I'm sure we're not done either. No, I think ultimately I think Blumhouse is trying to get all of these properties, but we'll see. Okay, I'm sure there's going to be new Nightmare on Elm Streets and Heather Langenkamp back Friday in the mix. The <laughs> well, she came back for New Nightmare. Right. I think she's in three. Okay. And then, is that it? She's like sure. the Jamie Lee Curtis. I of definitely the have not seen all of the Nightmare on Elm Streets. Me neither. In fact, I would say I have, I have mostly not. The killer's still loose, you know. You're saying somebody else killed Tina. Who? I don't know who he is. But he's burned. And he wears a weird hat. And a red and green sweater, really dirty. And he uses these knives, like giant fingernails. So, Wes Craven first came up with the basic idea for the movie from a series of articles in the LA Times over a three-year period about a group of Southeast Asian refugees from the Hmong tribe, several of whom died in the throes of horrific nightmares. Wow. The group had come to the U.S. to escape the murderous reign of Pol Pot, and within a year of arriving, three men had died, all in similar situations. The young, otherwise healthy men would have a nightmare and then refuse to sleep for as long as possible. When they would finally fall asleep from exhaustion, they would then wake up screaming, then die. Autopsy results revealed that they had not died from heart failure, but had simply died. It was this inability to determine a cause of death that intrigued Craven so much. Medical authorities have since called the phenomenon Asian death syndrome, a variant of sudden unexpected death syndrome, and Brugada syndrome. So he sees these articles. To this day, I mean, who the fuck knows why those guys died? Yeah, that is weird. And comes up with this whole thing. It's like the Elisa Lam thing. (laughs) Yeah. And a character is born. The whole backstory of Freddy Krueger is almost irrelevant by the end of the movie, but... In the original idea, he's supposed to be like a child molester murderer, and then they kind of de-emphasize the molester part. Yeah, I was in surprised by that because I I was most closely, you know, memory of watching anything to do with these movies is is the remake from 2010, and the molestation part is back in the mix for that. 
Yeah, in the original original script, Freddy was a child molester. However, the decision was made to change him into being just a child murderer to avoid accusations of exploiting a series of child molestations in California around the time of the production. Ah, okay. The molester angle... They thought it would be in bad taste. ...reappeared in 2010 with the remake with Jackie O'Haley as Freddy. Okay, so I'm hitting on the notes, too. Nancy, help me, please. Let's get into it. The words Elm Street, not spoken at all during the movie. Never <laughs> really true. even yeah. clear where Elm Street is. Geography not really playing a part in the story. You know, maybe Nancy and is the preschool live on located Elm Street, on Elm Street. What's that? The preschool where kids were getting murdered. I don't know. Is, I, I don't even know if the preschool is actually mentioned in this one. They mentioned preschool a lot in the 2010 version, it feels like. Yeah, I don't think it is in this one. Okay. It's left pretty vague. Right. And in a way, it makes it kind of funny whenever you finally get the story from Nancy's mom. Oh, for where sure. you're just like, what? <laughs> some of the adult characters in this movie are kind of fun in general. The movie opens with some shots of the creation of the infamous razor glove. Kind of unexpected, I feel like, that the movie starts out this way. I definitely didn't remember that. I've only seen this movie probably a few times in my yeah, life. I haven't seen it very many either. This turns out to be part of Tina's nightmare. She's kind of in a boiler room being stalked. There's a lot of steam, and she's wearing like that kind of see-through nighty, which is pretty hot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's uh, attacked in the dream right away. Robert Englund as Fred Krueger comes up in yeah. the credits. Fred. I right. love that. <laughs> it's like a formal name. <laughs> Frederick Krueger. Yeah. <laughs> Tina manages to wake up. And her mom comes in. I guess she was like crying out in her sleep. And I love that guy that comes in. This guy that's fucking her oh, mom. Oh yeah, he's like, come back to bed. <laughs> he's like, oh, are you coming back to bed, baby? Yeah. She's like, how long has she been out of the bed? Right, like five I know. seconds. <laughs> well, he's just like, how dare you go check on your daughter? He had a mission. <laughs> Get back here. But Tina's got those slashes. Oh yeah, like in the her, nightgown. Her nightgown. Her mom's just like, well, you better clip your nails. <laughs> She's like. You got to trim your nails or stop having those kind of nightmares. Uh, one or the other. The That's literally what she says. And you're just like, okay. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> this whole movie, even whenever it's taking place during the daylight hours when people are supposed to be awake, it definitely has that dream reality feel that we talk about a lot on this show, <laughs> yes. which kind of makes for a more fun viewing experience. It does. Right away, you have those creepy children playing hopscotch. And doing that like sing song, or they're doing like jump rope. Yeah, I guess. it's kind of like Inception with Leonardo DiCaprio's kids. <laughs> yeah, like the one, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> it's like, are those kids real? I, I don't know. And how do like they play it. into it? Even I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming those are the kids he killed. But yeah, I guess so. I don't know. When we come into the movie with Tina, and she has the dream, and then she doesn't die, and then she's kind of around for a while. This feels like it's a Tina movie. Like, she well, seems like the she's very the next, main character. Yeah, the very next note I have is Tina, the main character. Right. Yeah, it's kind of the old switcheroo, famously hostile, pulled that move. 
Oh, that's where true. Yeah. Someone seems like the main character, and then they die like halfway through, and right. all of a sudden it's like the other guy who you assume is just gonna be dead. Yeah. But yeah, Tina is definitely the focal point for like the first fifteen minutes of the movie. Because uh, you know, so often a lot of these slasher movies use the formula of starting off with a kill. Right. So it's weird that the first person that there's an attempted kill on survives and seemingly remains the focal point for a small amount of time here. So the next morning, she's consoled by her friends, Nancy, played by Heather Langenkamp, and Glenn, played by Johnny Depp. This was Johnny Depp's first film role, by the way. Yeah, that's true. You could see uh, you could see where this was headed by his performance here. <laughs> Langenkamp beat out over 200 other actresses for the role of Nancy Thompson. Wow, that was quite a casting run they went on for this. Among them, Jennifer Grey, Demi Whoa. Moore... Courtney Cox and Tracy Gold. Some heavy hitters in the mix. And For she, sure. She beat him out. Yeah, Langenkamp, do you prefer Nancy or Tina in this one? Well, I kind of like Tina, but I feel like Nancy has her moments, too. Yeah, you definitely seem like a Tina. Yeah. Nancy's <laughs> a little eccentric for me. I like Nancy. I think, and we'll talk about this more as we go, she's kind of the ultimate badass version of the final girl in a lot of ways. Okay, yeah, that's true. Because she brings the fight to the slasher. Yeah, and she's kind of just like hard-edged in a way that the final girls aren't always in a lot of horror movies. Oh, that's true. She swears very casually, (laughs) which I love, (laughs) where she's just like, and then you're going to whack the fucker. Well, yeah, I mean, her whole background with her mom, I feel like, has kind of been very (laughs) formative of her character. It seems like maybe Tina is not alone in having these nightmares it's kind of unclear at first everyone's kind of reacting to her story in kind of a weird way i know they're like "Hmm." what well i love uh johnny depp's character because he's kind of like oh that's weird who cares haha but then he kind of makes a comment like he's had dreams too yeah eventually glenn kind of plays it hard to hard to tell what what's going on with him but well it is weird because the way it goes on it would be interesting to see what his whole arc was like throughout this like what his what dreams he did have leading up to his final moments yeah it's interesting that with such a classic movie like this that you could definitely remake the exact same movie but change the perspectives a little bit and there's a whole lot more to explore oh for sure because this movie is really only at like an hour and a half it's pretty brief perfect length and you're kind of just thrown right into the fire, and when you're presented with backstory, it's very quick. Yeah. And you're just in it the whole time. So Tina's boyfriend, Rod, shows up. He's got, like, a fun boner comment. I mean, he seems like a real... <laughs> oh, yeah. Rod is a party. <laughs> Rod and Tina's relationship is definitely something special. It it's is. It's a special yeah. high school relationship. Well, Tina kind of seems... <laughs> when you first meet Tina, I'm like, oh, Tina's a good girl. And then you kind of, you know, you find out a little bit more about her relationship with rod and you're like oh wow yeah she's a little wild rod seems like he's about 38 (laughs) still attending (laughs) high school right yeah (laughs) he actually owns like a gas station in town he's like a mechanic but he's also going to school pretty quickly though we jump right into that night tina's we can tell just by looking at rod that he's well skilled with a switchblade which of course factors in (laughs) tina's mom conveniently heads out of town nancy and glenn are gonna stay overnight we find out that Nancy also dreamt of a guy in a dirty red and green sweater with finger knives, as she calls them. And this is kind of a the first great moment that feels different from a lot of other things, especially probably in 84, 
this experience of a shared dream and how freaky that would be. Yeah. Especially if like it's a nightmare. We're going to start heading into that Inception territory again. Everything kind of comes back to either Inception or David Lynch right. or Summer Camp. Those yeah. are like the three. The three main themes of this show. Yes. <laughs> Rod shows up, mostly unbuttoned shirt, switchblade. Oh, blade. yeah, a wild look. Yeah. <laughs> Showing a lot of skin. Yeah, he's a wild character. And this, of course, is an opportunity for a teenage fuck fest between Rod and Which Tina. Which is insane. I mean, Rod is a freaking stallion. <laughs> well, either that or, or Tina's, Tina's a hell of an actress. Show, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I it mean, is like porno moan city. Yeah, to the point that like, of course, making it like really uncomfortable for Glenn and Nancy because it's like we can't really tell how escalated their sex lives have become up to this point. Yeah, it makes you think that it's possible that Nancy's a virgin. It's a very chaste sleeping arrangement for her and Glenn. They never really emphasize this very much. I mean, you definitely get the impression that Glenn wants to go farther in their relationship than they have. But at every opportunity, although you're if kind I was of Glenn, listen to that, I'd be like, "You're not getting that." <laughs> I mean, I, my memory of high school, I don't feel like my girlfriends were relating to Tina in this scene. No, I don't think most girls yeah. in high school are carrying on right. to that effect. <laughs> Nancy's very just matter of fact about it, like. Glenn, how could you even think of sex right now? We're here for Tina because Tina had this scary nightmare and I it's had like, it too. It's meanwhile, I love Tina's whenever, having no problem thinking of sex. Yeah, I love whenever Rod rolls off of Tina and it's just like, I'm not getting the sense a condom was invited to the party. I don't think so. <laughs> Rod doesn't seem like a condom guy. I mean, 84, we're just that kind AIDS of learning era. about AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, come on. Small town high school. Well, that's the thing. It's not going to happen to me. Where is this movie set? I don't know. There's palm trees. Yeah, there are palm trees, which kind of ruin it. Isn't it like somewhere in the Midwest or something? Or like Ohio or Indiana or something? I don't think they ever say that in this version. I don't know. Palm trees not really indigenous to Ohio? Because of this sleeping arrangement with Tina getting fucked and Nancy not, it kind of follows that slasher movie morality that we always see in Halloween or Friday the 13th or whatever. Where we know where it's headed. <laughs> Tina's getting fucked. That means she's got to die. Right. And Nancy's a good girl and she's going to be fine. It's the Says same old all story. sort of things about our society. <laughs> Tale is old as time. Right. Sex is bad. Mostly if you're a female, though. I do think, though, it's strange because Rod admits that he had a nightmare, too, like right after they're done having sex. And I feel like there's not enough being made of the same That's nightmare. A, so thing. Ma- well, especially the dudes. The dudes are really quick to be like, Wow, this sounds familiar, but like, let me completely blow past it. Well, even Tina at that point knows that Nancy had it. I so know. Now she knows two other people right. at least had it. And then she's just like, all right, and then rolls over and goes to Good sleep. Night. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, at the well, same time. Well, after that session, I mean, you know, her brain wasn't really functioning. <laughs> she got her peak. brains fucked <laughs> yeah. out by this uh, gas station attendant. I, no, I mean, I guess what are you going to think, though? It's interesting whenever you're watching a movie and we're living in the real world but we understand that this movie is a horror movie and bad things are going to happen and supernatural things are going to happen but if you looked at it in the sense of if this happened to you in the real world would you imagine that this would be anything more than a weird coincidence i don't know I mean, but would I your like, mind jump to something supernatural well certainly not but i feel like you'd spend at least some time talking about it I'd be like wow that's fucking weird i had like the same thing I guess, but you don't assume that you're going to die. Well, no. I guess. Yeah. So you could potentially talk about it in the morning. That's true. That's right. 
is this a school night that they're all staying there? I don't know. It's uh, really hard to tell. We'll get to it in a second. The passage of time in general in this movie is really hard to yeah, cause the next morning put your finger that on. we see Nancy is going to school, but I don't know if that's that the actual next day or not. I, oh, knows? that's right. Yeah. No, I think it is. Uh, I don't know if it's the next day, but it's certainly the next school day. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Right. You don't know so if it's, it's possible that it could not. have happened on Friday or Saturday, and then she does go to school on Monday. Yeah. So Tina that night dreams of our mystery man again. Nancy's sleeping in the room next door. There's that really cool effect on the wall above Nancy where oh, this does look the good, head yeah. and the hands kind of are pushed against the wall. There is some good effects in oh, this movie dude, for the time, for sure. Considering that this movie was made for like a million dollars, it's insane. I mean, there's definitely some cheese. Don't get me wrong. Well, yeah. Right. I mean, it was 1984. They didn't have access to everything. But, but for a million dollars, there's some really great stuff in that. And this particular scene is very simple, and it's just a regular practical effect, but it's really fucking effective, and it looks great. Right. It looks like, Where he's like, like a head and hands are pushing wall, through the kind wall. kind of looks like saran wrap, but not that bad. Yeah, as if the wall is made out of some like pliable, rubbery yes. substance, and he's kind of pushing through it over top of her while she's sleeping. But meanwhile, Tina, in her dream, is being lured outside. She's wearing only a man's button-down shirt, is this something that only exists in movies? Girls I think so. wearing this, right, and not putting on pants. Yeah, when just being lured using outside. like a button-down shirt as like a some sort of a nightgown thing, or uh, yeah, it, certainly it hasn't been an experience in my lifetime. I just don't think it really is in anybody's. It okay. doesn't seem very practical. Yeah. So if you know someone, write in. But tweet everyone, the show. as far as I can tell, everyone in who the is a man universe. loves this look. Right. So. <laughs> So this is our first real clear look at Freddy when Tina's outside. He's got the burned face, the razor glove, the fedora. I guess Craven wanted it even more extreme, but it just wasn't practical to do. Like He wanted there to be a hole in the cheek so you could see his teeth. He wanted it to look really fucked up, but it just wasn't going to be possible on this budget, and especially at this time. Now, the razor glove, the practicality of this weapon, I don't know, not much. Well, yeah, I guess you couldn't fully close your fist because then you cut your own wrist. I guess that was ha- that happened <laughs> That's a to danger, Robert yeah. England. But I mean, at this point, England was already at three plus hours a day in makeup. Good lord! And had to wear it all day, and his skin would be like really fucked up at the end of the day. Sure. I don't know. I I think it looks pretty good for the time. Well, certainly. Like- what did you think about Jackie O'Haley's? In the new one. Well, the new one, which is almost a decade old. You know, I mean, the (laughs) tough thing about that is just like how close it was to, uh, you know, it's only a couple of years removed from Watchmen and he's doing the Rorschach voice through the whole movie. Yeah, they definitely chose to go in a different direction than the series had been going in. But I will say some of the deaths were kind of cool in it. Um, I just meant the look. Oh, of Freddy Com- Krueger? Yeah, compared to the classic Robert Englund one. Uh, it's I can't really remember it that well. They went. From, they show more of him just looking like a person, right? Like I don't know. They went. <laughs> I mean, they went like way more serious with that movie. Whereas by the time we got to the remake in 2010, Freddy had become mostly a comedic character. Oh yeah. In a lot of ways. And oh, he's like dropping one-liners before. Slitting somebody's throat. Yeah, he's like riding a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, I yeah. think that is in one of the movies. Okay. I mean, it's pretty, it got pretty rough right. by the end of it. 
And I think they were like, well, let's add the child molester thing in. Let's make him like really horrible again. <laughs> make Freddy horrible again. <laughs> Red hat campaign. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think in this one, in the original here, this is probably the best balance of charismatic Freddy versus scary Freddy. He doesn't really That's have true. like one liners, but he still He's has a little bit. He's definitely saying shit that. It kind of seems jokey. Well, he's got a pers- a little bit of a personality, but it's not too silly. It's not, it's not quite campy. Yeah, yeah. He's not like um, I don't know. Some of the stuff he says in the other ones are like I think it's in the third one, which honestly, Nightmare on Elm Street three is probably the second best one overall. But I think he says like "Welcome to Prime Time, bitch" or something like. That. I mean, you know, he's like <laughs> okay. calling people yeah. bitch and stuff, and you're just like, oof. <laughs> but all right, so. Pretty cool line where he's holding up his glove and he's just like, this is God. Oh, yeah. Pretty iconic moment where Tina's crying out like, oh, God. And he's like, this is God. That would be scary. (laughs) Tina. Shit. (laughs) Please, God. This. He's those, he's got those extended arms, which don't look great, but it kind of plays into this whole dream logic thing where like weird stuff is happening. All of a sudden, his arms are taking up like a whole alleyway. So like she's you know running the other way. He's yeah, kinda, it's kind of goofy. Yeah, it doesn't look amazing, but I get the idea that in a dream, all this weird shit is happening. That you well, yeah, I mean explain. that is one thing different with Freddy than some of his other counterparts, like. We mentioned Michael Myers and Leatherface. Like, you can actually run from them. Now, I mean, as we know from those movies, they will catch you. <laughs> but, like, with Freddy, it is just, like, you can't go anywhere. You're, yeah, he, you're playing in you his... You turn around, and then he's there. Right. That kind of stuff. Yeah. And it all makes sense, because he's a supernatural being in nightmares. He's not a flesh-and-blood human. Right. I mean, at one point, he cuts his own fingers off, and then, like, that green stuff gushes out. <laughs> yeah, he's playing a lot of mind games within the dreamscape. There's a chase and then a struggle at the door, Tina crying out for Nancy. I always thought that was funny. Not Rod. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rod not quite heroic. Yeah, Rod really kind of proving to be pretty useless in Tina's life. And she, I guess she knows it. In her moment of need, she's crying out for her friend Nancy yes. instead. Well, Nancy is a badass. And we will definitely be bringing up Chase and then a struggle Plenty of times, because it's kind of Freddy's M.O. is like there's a chase and then they're wrestling around. There's a lot of wrestling with people. Well, for sure. I mean, even though he lives in a dream universe, there does seem to be a lot of physical altercations. Yeah. Even though it, it doesn't seem like it would be necessary on any level from Freddy's perspective. Tina reaches up and grabs at Freddy's face, pulling the skin away to reveal a cackling skull with crazy eyes. They had to use a puppet for this, but... I love this because this is something that would fucking horrify me as a kid. Oh, yeah. That part where she pulls away his face and then there's like that skeleton face. And it's just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) Back in reality, Rod wakes up to Tina thrashing around in bed and screaming. Her stomach gets slashed open. He's like, relax, baby. (laughs) Her stomach's slashed open. And this is kind of the first time we see a lot of blood. And this movie is never short on blood. They used like now, I think 500 gallons of blood in this movie. This sequence is fucking cool. This is like they do like the poltergeist thing, but like times 500 with just like 
her going across the ceiling and shit and blood spewing everywhere. Yeah, on the making of featurettes on the Blu-ray and stuff, they act like this is all very, like, the most original thing ever, whereas they did do this in Poltergeist two years earlier. But this is an extreme version of it. Because Tina is bloody as fuck doing this. Oh, yeah. And flopping around. And eventually... She crashes down onto the bed at the end of this, and there is just blood everywhere. Yes. They had to actually cut that a little short to get this down to an R. This is something that's recurring, at least in the next two episodes of this show, is talking about getting a movie to be R. (laughs) Now, this is like one of multiple just wild crime scenes in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A lot of the The coroner's office. How in the world do you explain this? What the hell? The screaming from both Tina and Rod has been going on for forever, but eventually, finally, Nancy is waking up, and Nancy and Glenn break into the room, but it really feels like Tina just really let down in life by everybody. Yeah. Her mom... Not a lot of people there ...choosing for. kind of to go out of town with a boyfriend. Her boyfriend, Rod, kind of a... Deadbeat. ...loser, who's unable to save her. Even her friends can't break down into the room they're sleeping the whole time while she's crying out for help it's like no one is helping tina in no. her world no no <laughs> she's the perfect victim for freddie <laughs> nancy and glenn break in i feel like if you know i was in high school and tina went to my school and she was murdered i don't think i'd ever get over it <laughs> the actress that plays tina is still very much alive and i'm still not over it. oh good for her <laughs> in real life <laughs> Me, the fact that she's alive <laughs> yeah no the fact that this character is murdered in this horrible way yeah nancy and glenn break into the room way too late for tina (laughs) no chance left rod has fled out the window naturally he's going to become prime suspect number one right well how's he gonna explain this yeah suddenly he's a well-known switchblade carrier (laughs) she was slashed up he had sexual intercourse with her and then was the last person in a room with her i mean He's a well-known switchblade operator they, yeah, in the Elm Street area. Right. Uh, <laughs> they obviously have enough to arrest him for this. Imagine they're able to get a conviction out of this if it went that far. But it does seem like there would be like a Sarah Koenig later on down the line that's just like, does everything make sense about this? <laughs> you know, the rod I know wouldn't have done it. So he would have had to have taken his switchblade and slashed her four times across the stomach. Dragged her body across the ceiling. (laughs) Nancy's dad is Lieutenant Don Thompson, played by John Saxon. I kind of feel like he's like Laura Dern's dad in Blue Velvet a little bit. I can't remember her dad in that movie. Okay, similar character. I think John Saxon was from like Rambo, like or maybe like First Blood or something. Or okay, some of those movies, but I don't know. On the Blu-ray stuff, they act like getting John Saxon was like a huge get for them. Oh, that's a big poll. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like not even really in the movie. Uh, that he's much. not a household name for me. And if you go on his IMDb, his number one known for is A Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> I think maybe even one of the other Nightmare on Elm Streets is another one. So it's like, all right, well, great, <laughs> they got him. <laughs> yep. He's not happy Nancy was there, and he blames her mom, Marge. Yeah, he blames Marge for a lot. It seems like it's hard to get a sense of what's going on right at first. Eventually, we find out they are divorced and living separately, but we don't really know that in this moment. Marge was just out of control for a while. (laughs) Marge was living some kind of life. Right. 
I love the next morning. Marge is in the kitchen. There's a TV in the kitchen, which is such a staple of 80s and 90s things to oh, have yeah. that TV in right. the kitchen. <laughs> yep. And she's got the news on, and Nancy comes into the room, and there's just like gruesome fucking footage <laughs> of. Yeah. Poor Tina, her yeah. bloody body, her arm falls out of a body bag. Hey, it's Nancy, like this guy, this is on TV. Isn't that your friend? <laughs> isn't that your friend's corpse yeah. on TV? And then Nancy's just like, all right, mom, I'm off to school. Yeah, that's why it's hard to tell if this is supposed to be the next morning or if a weekend had passed. I, I don't know. But right. Nancy decides she's got to go to school. She can't just sit around and do nothing. <laughs> I turns- guess she's not taking this that hard. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> You got to move on with your life. Exactly. At some point. Yeah. Turns out though that Lieutenant Don, her dad, was suspecting that Nancy was going to go to school because she's basically used as bait because Rod pulls her. Well, they address that in the movie, but how did he even come up with this plan? I don't know. <laughs> I guess they I mean, were just she gets watching mad her house. That she's used maybe? as bait. Yeah. I don't know. But Rod gets arrested. He's still maintaining his innocence. Who knows? Nancy does make it to school. Her teacher is Lynn Shay of insidious fame and also That's a right. lot of fairly brother movies she's kind of just in a lot of movies really yeah very recognizable from the modern era this is a fun moment we don't get a lot of stuff with school like that first day after tina's nightmare we don't even see anything from the school and this is i think the only time the school's really in play but nancy right. falls asleep in class tina's bloody corpse beckons her into the hall and i was just like why would that be something she would want to follow that's a good point (laughs) which is like oh i gotta follow it the hall monitor is wearing kruger's sweater and then you know eventually has tip for viewers has his glove and voice and all that stuff and nancy ends up being drawn down to the school's basement and boiler room which is a big part of just these movies in general the boiler room. Yeah, that seems to be Freddy's domain. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's where he took his kids. It seems like that might be a thing. Surprise, Freddy's got maggots inside when he cuts his side open. Oh, yeah. He loves to self-mutilate. That's true. Self-harm. Right. To impress chicks. Again, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, check this out. <laughs> She's like, he made me watch. <laughs> so Nancy's chased and then cornered. And she ends up burning her arm on a hot pipe to force herself to wake up. Yeah, quick on her feet, Nancy, really. Awakens screaming in class, which is hilarious. Yeah, and kind of relatable. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't done this? Yeah, I would say like 11th and 12th grade, I would fall asleep in virtually every class almost every day. Yeah, I did. And it there in were definitely a, a few too. times where I would wake up abruptly and cause a minor scene. Wait, did just do that thing where your head is like drifting down and then you pop back up. I would actually put my head down on the desk <laughs> to oh, sleep. Wow. Very little effort to stay awake from you. <laughs> and then I would have that falling nightmare. My head would already be on the desk, but then I would like slam it into it and then it'd pop up. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone would know what would just happen. <laughs> 
Thankfully, I can only remember that specifically happening in study hall. But <laughs> so, Zach, do you have something to share with the class? <laughs> Crying. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy wakes up. She's got a burn mark on her arm. This is the second time we've seen one of these girls have a wound from something that occurred in a dream. If you get injured in your dream, it happens to you in real life. So, yeah, the elevator pitch for this movie, as we talked about, is really taking shape here. It's really becoming something completely unique. It's exploring that old argument. If you die in your dream, do you die in real life? <laughs> is that an old argument? I think so. I feel like it's always made <laughs> in movies. Yeah, the idea though of like taking something from the dream, and, and later we're going to have physical items pulled from the dream, yeah. but you're taking a wound from your dream into reality is something I don't think... I could be wrong. I'm sure there's you know, possibly something out there that had done this first, but... I, I don't know about it. I mean, this is a really unique, crazy idea, and it's it's really effective. It seems like high concept, but it's easily explainable. I think oh. anybody, everybody gets what's happening almost as soon as it happens. You see that red mark on Nancy's arm, and you're like, oh, okay, I well, get Well, even this. more so than that, the thing that just like always kind of stuck with me and really sort of resonated with me as scary is just when you're not in the dreams and when you're not sleeping, just that whole time period of, trying not to fall asleep and how fucking hard that would seem yeah i think craven, it's like you're so scared to fall asleep yeah i think craven was talking in, in one of the interviews about those men that had died that he based right. this on and he got a lot of these ideas from that because they had like hidden coffee makers in their closets and all that kind of stuff and oh yeah their families were like trying to make them go to sleep and they had all these like things they were doing to not go to sleep it's almost like being a drug addict or something where it becomes your whole life the chase of it except this is like just doing whatever you can to not fall asleep that's what you're continuing to chase nancy goes to see rod in jail and i was kind of confused by this because i was like uh, why would they let her do this daddy's allowing this right. to happen because he yeah, seems, seems to be like running the a cops. conflict of interest yeah he's like king he's like of the chief police detective yeah <laughs> But Rod maintains his innocence, and he talks about his nightmares of a guy with knives for fingers. And so now... Nancy's starting to be like, hey, I think there's something to this. Yeah, she's had a couple of nightmares. She knows Tina talked about it. Tina died in a crazy way. Now Rod's saying it. This is the no one believes me slash am I crazy moment, which happens in so many horror movies when they f the lead character figure kind it of figures yeah. it out, but it's something that you could never convince other people is true. <laughs> it's like, you know, don't you get it? It's the birds or whatever, you know, it's like whatever and, <laughs> yeah, and people are just right. like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, don't you get it? He's killing us in our dreams and people <laughs> like, are, okay, just look yeah, at Nancy right. like, "Okay. Why don't you take a Valium, Nancy? Why don't you take a bath, Nancy?" <laughs> and here <laughs> which brings us to our does. next scene. Yeah. <laughs> this bathtub scene is iconic and it's unbelievable and it's a perfect picture it's a perfect poster it's a perfect moment in a movie and it's shocking how early it happens in this movie it's oh, yeah. before the halfway mark i believe right nancy's just in a bubble bath she's kind of falling asleep in the tub and that glove comes out of the water between her legs it's a very yeah. like sexualized uh -oh. moment obviously <laughs> right and it just is it's an incredible shot the way they did it was great there's actually a guy down there in the water because they had an extended compartment so, I feel like that's a weird scene to film. He literally w just would have to go underwater and hold his breath. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they used a bunch of different... And then what, different... Langenkamp was like 
straddled over top of him basically or what yeah i mean i'm sure she was wearing something down <laughs> no, there. they're like you need to go fully nude for this your beaver needs to be out <laughs> <laughs> she's like i'm a method actor it's wild though that they used like i don't know three or four different versions of the glove in the movie and sometimes the knives were fake or like dull Oh, right. To be safe because, you know, you're getting close to people. But other times, but they did have the sharp one and they used the sharp one for this. And it's the guy underwater. It's like, how the fuck can he even know what he's doing? (laughs) He pokes up a little too close, (laughs) too close for comfort. But it's just like a really great scene. And then she ends up getting pulled into the abyss underneath. And this is just like one of those great moments where you're like, it's so simple, but yet brilliant. Why wouldn't anybody else have thought of this first? Like to turn a bathtub into a dark, scary abyss. Oh, it's right. It, that dream logic that we've been talking about over and over. Which, you know, maybe someone did. What do you mean? <laughs> it, 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 who's to say it wasn't in another movie before this? <laughs> well, not on this scale. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and they filmed that, I think, like in a pool, and they like blacked out like, the yeah, f- bottom of the pool. Yeah, that part does look pretty sweet. Nancy jumps into the stay awake pills watching Evil Dead on TV. I guess like Raimi and uh, Craven had this back and forth thing where they would kind of have stuff from each other's movies in the background. Because I think like Freddy Krueger's oh, glove cool. was in Evil Dead 2 or one of those other ones. And oh, all right. Yeah, I don't know. Different things like that. Glenn sneaks in her window. I guess he lives across the street. I think this is the first time that they mention that, that Glenn lives across the street from her. Uh, I think so, yeah. They have like sort of a American Beauty thing where they like get undressed for each other in the windows. <laughs> he films her. This is kind of funny here. Nancy hasn't slept since Tina's been killed, so the days have been going by, and she goes, oh, God, I look 20 years old. <laughs> Which, which is, is a nuts line. Which is funny for a couple of reasons. Number one, that would barely be older than the character is supposed to be. And number yeah. two, Heather Langenkamp was 20 years old. Who, when they're, suppo- when they're 17, thinks that 20 is old? I don't know. I will say this. Langenkamp looks fucking amazing in this movie to me. I love it. And you can kind of see her like getting a, a zit at one point. Girl next door look, I would say. Yeah. But like a rock and like body. Like a dynamite girl next door. <laughs> but she's very real, though, because she... Yeah, I mean, you can her see hair that has like zit blow like protruding through her forehead for like most of the movie. Yeah, she's getting like a zit on her forehead. It's not super airbrushed. Right. A ton of makeup. She looks very like Very real. little cover up. I love it. I love it. Glenn claims he hasn't been having any bad dreams, but he doesn't seem to be telling the truth. Yeah. Glenn not showing his hand here. Glenn we really fucking His motives up. for that, we don't know. I guess he doesn't want to believe it. He doesn't want to be a pussy. Yeah. <laughs> so Nancy comes up with an impromptu plan. She's going to have Glenn stand guard for her as she enters the dream world. Come to find out, terrible plan. I guess she's just trying to find out more about Freddy, but this is not really explained. I don't know. Well, we don't really she, we don't see your plan, right? They just kind of launch into it. Well, she the plan to me is basically like, hey, you watch me. Yeah. That's it. Right. And if I start, like, kind of dying, what wake she's, me up. What it, she's trying to accomplish here, I don't know. I guess she's. I guess you're supposed to believe, like, this situation is so unbelievable that she's not fully convinced that what she thinks is happening is actually happening. So she's still trying to confirm Well, this. it's a hard sell. In her dream, Nancy walks out of her house into the jail. Through a window, she can see Freddy about to attack Rod. But he stops when he sees Nancy. 
She then encounters dead Tina in a body bag. A huge centipede crawls out of Tina's mouth. And there's a bunch of muddy snakes at her feet. Yeah, which is terrifying <laughs> for me. They're gross because snakes completely covered in mud look kind of like turds. So there's like wriggling big turds nothing flopping good around this. Tina's yeah, feet. There's just nothing good from this scene. Another chase back to the house. Nancy gets into the house and she's trying to go up the steps and we get those marshmallow steps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. I forgot stuck. about that. Low she's budget like solutions to creating a terrifying dreamland. Right. Well, some a lot of the stuff does have like sort of a fun house feel to it. Oh, for sure. And the end of the movie is very Home Alone esque. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this predates Home Alone by about six years or so. Yeah. So, so Home Alone really kind of was borrowing from this movie. Exactly. In her room, Nancy's just like, this is just a dream. This isn't real. Kind of one of the famous lines of the movie. She's screaming that into the mirror, which then Freddie explodes through the mirror on the back of Nancy's door. Then they're like wrestling on the bed. Yeah, <laughs> again, another around. one of these like physical altercations. Yeah, I don't know. She doesn't seem like she'd be able to hold her own physically, although she is tough. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird choice because they have Freddie kind of in these physical struggles with characters throughout the movie. I mean, Freddie likes to fancy himself this, like, badass. He's like, oh, look at me. I'm made of maggots, and I can cut my finger off and everything. But when it comes down to it, he kind of gets his ass beat by this chick a few times. Oh, yeah, definitely. Glenn just blowing it, not waking her. (laughs) He's supposed to be waking her up. He's not doing anything. Oh, it turns out he's asleep because he's He's like, well, I was just supposed to sit here while you slept? This is very reminiscent of how everybody was letting Tina down. It's yeah. Like nobody can help. <laughs> Finally, Nancy's awakened by the alarm clock. I don't really know if it's supposed to be the next morning or if she just set her alarm clock for like 20 minutes. It or feels something. like the latter. Like it feels like it's still nighttime and it hasn't been like that long. Yeah. Especially since they talk about her not really having getting any sleep. Yeah. I don't know. But they don't show her setting the alarm for like five minutes or 10 minutes no, no. or whatever. Right. So I don't you know. don't know. I noticed like Nancy's glowing blue eyes. You ever see? <laughs> you notice that, huh? You see how her eyes are just like so blue in this. I don't. It, it didn't strike me. On another podcast I listened to about this movie, they brought up how often things are blue in this movie, and I guess blue is like a color code for sleep and tranquility. So it's okay. an indicator that sleep is coming. I will or- say, whenever I listen to other podcasts about movies or anything, one thing that stands out to me is like, no one else is really stopping to go like, and you know, she's really cute in this movie. Sometimes you gotta search <laughs> yeah. for the po- kind of podcast. Really, I it's listen like to. every episode of this show, but <laughs> so what? We think people are attractive. Yeah. Big deal. Right? It's Put us movies. in jail. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy and Glenn then go to try to see Rod. I guess this is still the middle of the night. They're just showing up at the jail, like, let us see Rod. I know, really. You would think the police would be like, get the fuck out of here. It's like, Marge, what the fuck, where are you? Yeah, I know, well. <laughs> she's a no-show mom. But as they're trying to make their way back to him, Freddy is killing Rod with a noose made from his bed sheets, which, of course, makes it look like a suicide. And it's an instant death somehow for Rod. He's only hanging, because he's not kicking off of something to break his neck he's right. literally being strangled and yet it's an instant death fails to put up much of a fight here well it's a supernatural monster yeah this death is kind of well strange. nancy has no problem fighting him what's that nancy oh yes yeah. <laughs> this is the but this to me is like one of the strangest moments of the movie because 
I guess maybe Freddy is like a creep about the girls and wants to spend more time with them. But this seems like a weird moment because it doesn't even seem like Rod is having any kind of a nightmare. It's just like, I don't care if you're even aware of what's happening to you. I'm just going to get rid of you. Yeah. Dead. Whereas with Tina and Nancy, he's playing this whole game and chasing them around and wrestling on a bed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess he has more fun with Tina and Nancy. (laughs) He's just getting a boner rolling around with Nancy. Uh, Right. Um, now what do you I think say, Freddy Krueger's dick looks like, by the way? Yeah, I don't know. It's like he, he cu- probably cuts it off, and there's like all sorts of bugs <laughs> coming out of it. That's one kind of cool thing, at least from my memory of the 2010 remake. They have something similar to this, except when the dude's in jail, I think he's killed with like a knife or something. Like he gets like stabbed, or you know, by the the Freddy glove or something. Because the thing that's kind of cool about that is it makes it be like. All right, how the fuck did this dude get killed like this in a jail cell? Yeah. It just adds like another element to it. I saw the 2010 remake on a Thursday midnight screening with a pretty packed house. And I remember enjoying it in that moment. And that's definitely an indication of a movie can feel more fun when there's a whole crowd that's into it. Yeah, that's true. Because when I rented it later and tried to rewatch it, whoof. I saw it with very few people. I could in the not theater. get through it the second time. There was like definitely. And I like, love Rooney Mara, and we know that. Oh yeah. Although at this point, not really on my radar in the way that I she knew was, who yeah. she was the second time. Yeah. When right. I saw it the yeah. first time, I didn't really know who she was. I definitely remember seeing it like with my girlfriend at the time in a small theater, kind of during the afternoon. It, it, a weird screening, but there was certainly like a. You know how you, sometimes you go to the movies and there's just one of those weird old horror fan dudes like by himself? <laughs> Me? Yeah. <laughs> there was one of them there. <laughs> there was a you there. Right. Not a great turnout for Rod's funeral. No. Which they seem to have the very next day. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because it's just like no Tina funeral that we see. <laughs> yeah, I literally put that in my notes. No Tina funeral. Yeah. Like what's going on? Not Rod gr- gets one right away and then no Tina funeral at all. Yeah, and I mean, really, like, the not a lot of words of encouragement from the priest. He's like, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. <laughs> Peace, motherfucker. <laughs> so Nancy's parents, post-funeral, they both are kind of, they don't know what to do. There's a certain desperation on Marge's face at all times. Desperation to get back to that bottle. This actress, she's actually in Altman's Nashville, and I think that might be one of the only other things I know her from. Oh, yeah, that's but a Criterion collection, right? Yeah, she's not great in this movie. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm being hard on her, but it definitely... She seems like the mom from The Room a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. She's going for some sort of weird thing that's not really clicking with the rest of the characters. Well, it's but... confirmed. I have cancer. <laughs> Nancy, in this moment, she describes Freddie, and both of her parents clearly have a reaction to this description, like a knowing reaction. So we're getting the indication that this Freddie has some sort of past connection to okay. at least her parents. It's all coming together. Marge takes Nancy to a doctor for sleep disorders. The doctor is played by Charles Fleischer, most famous for being the voice of Roger Rabbit. Nancy's sleep study off the charts. The machine's going crazy. We don't actually see this nightmare, which is an interesting choice. Typically, I would say maybe not the best idea, but I think it works here because we've already seen what Freddy's nightmares are like a few times. This kind of gives oh, us that other perspective. The outside perspective, yeah. Yeah. What Glenn should have seen. 
had he been able to stay awake. Right. We see it from kind of this panicking mother and this doctor who's never seen anything like this from their perspective, right. which is interesting. But Nancy wakes up with a bloody slash on her arm, a silver streak in her hair a la Rogue from X-Men, and most importantly, Freddy's hat. Right. So this kind of gives us something that we haven't seen before, which is she's able to bring something of Freddy's outside the dream. Yes. This is kind of a crucial moment in the movie where Nancy learns how she is going to have to defeat this guy. Yeah. She can't really kill him in a dream world, but maybe she can come up with something in reality. Right. Where everything leaves also, off with the sleep studies. Total undersell by this by the doctors and <laughs> mom. Like, right, yeah. I think I'd be fucking losing my mind if I watched some girl it does sleeping. Like, all of a sudden, she's slashed on her arm. Her hair is silver. And yeah. She's got a hat that she didn't have before. You feel like it would result in her being in like a padded cell after this. Yeah. Even though it's like, obviously, it's not her fault. But I mean, just as like two, like a doctor and like a mom sees this, it would just be like, she's not right. <laughs> that girl's not right. Yeah. Pretty deep into this movie now, and we're just finding out that old Marge is a total booze hound. Absolutely. I think she's, she's kept a bit of a party. Fairly well hidden up until this point. Right. Well, things are kind of unraveling now. She's like, fuck it. Who the cares? Demons from her past are starting to come back. Back at home, Nancy and Marge have a confrontation over the hat. It even has a name written in it, Fred Krueger. I love the idea that Freddy Krueger's writing his name in his hat. His mom stitched it in. <laughs> in case it gets lost. Marge slaps Nancy whenever she makes a crack about the vodka. <laughs> That's the only time Marge comes alive. It's like, don't, don't even mention the vodka. Listen, you bitch. <laughs> Marge tells her that Fred Krueger is dead, but Nancy's freaking out. Well, this is weird because it's like, wait, you know who he is? Yeah, this is the first revelation, confirmed at least, that Marge knows who Fred Krueger is. She drops the bottle, it breaks, things get really heated, and then... Nancy storms out of the house when she's and she's like, Enough. <laughs> I love that Nancy tells her mom, Enough. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Nancy's hard well, as Nancy's fuck. Well, Nancy's kinda really. yeah. I mean, she's gotta be the adult here a little bit. Yeah. And that's why I mean you even get that sense from Nancy's dad all the time. It's just like everyone just kinda has like a Jesus Marge type thing. <laughs> this is the scene where she's hanging out with Glenn on like a bridge and behind them are those palm trees and it kinda Oh, that's right. It really <laughs> Take, ruins the yeah. atmosphere of the movie when you see that. Because there's a kind of a lot of daytime horror to this idea. Of, again, going back to that, it's scary during the day because all you can think about is not wanting to fall asleep. But really, like, the palm trees kind of make it seem like a vacation movie. Yeah, I mean, they filmed Halloween in California as well. and But it doesn't look like yeah, it. Yeah, there are sometimes, I guess, in the background, you can spot palm trees, but you never feel like it's not legit i feel like they execute the location perfectly in halloween now they never claim that this movie is not in california i don't think i don't think they ever say anything about where this is supposed to be taking place. i don't know it really feels like they could have picked a better location to shoot this scene because it's not a crucial scene even it's just she's got that book about and I like i just feel like there, it feels traps. like there's an emphasis on the palm trees like they real the way the shot is staged it's like they really stand out yeah nancy preparing for war as i said before she really is the ultimate final girl she's taking this as a challenge almost she's like you know what 
fuck this guy. Yeah, she's like, you know, setting up the paint buckets at the top of the stairs. At this point, she's already wrestled on a bed with him. She's like, I can kick this guy's ass. Yeah, he's not that tough. <laughs> this burn up little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like putting on a giant strap on. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. <laughs> When she gets home, Nancy sees that Marge has barred the windows of the house and taken down the trestle from the front of the house. This is actually pretty insane. I mean, even from a set design standpoint, I'm like, wow, they really kind of went all in on this, putting these bars up all around these windows (laughs) for this house. It kind of makes you think like Marge just doesn't really have any clue what's going on. (laughs) It's like, Uh, this was your answer for this? Yeah. On the other hand, it's like, Marge isn't believing that people are getting killed in their sleep, and, you know, kids are dying around town. Yeah, I don't know. But there's more. Marge has something in the basement to show Nancy. Yeah, (laughs) this part is pretty insane, I feel like. I mean, she keeps this stuff in the basement? Yeah, this is weird. You want to know who Fred Krueger was? He was a filthy child murderer who killed at least 20 kids in the neighborhood. Kids we all knew. Oh, Mom. It drove us crazy when we didn't know who it was. But it was even worse after they caught him. Did they put him away? Oh, the lawyers got fat and the judge got famous, but somebody forgot to sign the search warrant in the right place and Kruger was free just like that. What did you do, Mother? A bunch of us parents tracked him down after they let him out. We found him in an old abandoned boiler room where he used to take his kids. Go on. We took gasoline. We poured it all around the place and made a trail of it out the door. Then lit the whole thing up and watched it burn. can't get you now. He's dead, honey, because mommy killed him. So she says, Fred Krueger, he was a filthy child murderer who killed at least 20 kids in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, and go on. What, what else does she Define say? Define neighborhood, first of all. What oh, does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> 20 kids from one neighborhood? <laughs> I know. <laughs> that would be one of the most famous true crime things ever, I would right. imagine. Well, I mean, when you go on to what else she says, that he is arrested, taken to trial, and gets off. And I'm just like, what a colossal failure by the judicial system. Yeah, she says somebody forgot to sign the search warrant in the right place, and he was free just like that. Right. <laughs> so the parents... Murders 20 kids and walks. <laughs> yeah. So the, I guess the parents of this neighborhood went and burned him alive, vigilante style. I was kind of confused as to what the time frame of this story was. Was Nancy alive when this happened? Right. I don't know. Well, well I would think yes. Because she think, referred to herself as the parents. Yeah, like all of the parents, in, Marge included. Why couldn't the 20 kids that Fred Krueger murdered why couldn't their parents do this why did marge have to get involved well i think anyone who had a kid felt like they were wronged here <laughs> i get it but still <laughs> no she, you're right she's dragged nancy they should have had this. plenty of vigilantes to carry out the justice 20 kids <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like fucking Mark Wahlberg in The Departed. <laughs> just like some cop right. just puts like those, you know. Little booties on. Yeah. <laughs> He's dead, honey, because mommy killed him, <laughs> which is a fun line from Marge. And she's got the fucking knife glove thing in the house. She keeps it in that furnace thing or oven or whatever, yeah. the wood stove. I don't even know what that is. I would have liked is. to have seen like the scene of the parents burning Freddy. What is he just like wake up and he's like, what is this shit? (laughs) Didn't they show that in more detail in the remake? I can't remember now. I do feel like they talk about it more specifically. I feel like you kind of see that in a flashback. And then there's that part where he's got like the pictures of the kids. It's quite possible. I know they go like into decent detail about like these kids attending this preschool and like what happened to them. It's pretty dark. Yeah. Later on the phone with Glenn, Nancy says she's had seven days without sleep, and she tells this plan of hers to Glenn about pulling Freddy out of the dream. At this point... I mean, Glenn is just like, are we going to fuck or what? Like, (laughs) Glenn's like, I can't have these conversations anymore. (laughs) I'm going home. Which, by the way, underrated attribute to this movie, just Glenn's parents' overall annoyance with Nancy. They yeah, we'll get there. We'll hate get there. Nancy, which I love. Nancy tells him on the phone, whatever you do, don't fall asleep. And as you mentioned, Johnny Depp's parents, I mean, those are his parents, those two. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look right. Johnny Depp, you know, is basically as pretty as Nancy in this. Oh, yeah. And his dad is like this fattest. Is he bald? He's like a fat, bald right. guy. And his mom, you know, is just kind of like an older looking lady. It's just, yeah. it's a crazy combination to be like, yeah, these two made Johnny Depp. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn's parents decide Nancy is crazy and dangerous. They don't want Glenn and her hanging around each other anymore. But this is kind of strange because they have a fun moment here of Nancy putting on different clothes and you kind of get that rear boob shot. Oh, that's behind. true. Yeah. Nancy's got that killer rack, but then it cuts down to like Glenn's house across the street and his dad is just watching through the window and you're like, was he just watching her get dressed? Well, I mean, come on. (laughs) If she's putting on a show. So they don't want Glenn and her hanging around each other anymore. Meanwhile, Marge hiding booze all over the damn house, including the linen closet. I love just like this snapshot of another time, though, where they're just like. Look, we don't want Nancy calling over here again. Just take the phone off the hook and leave it off. (laughs) Eventually, Glenn does fall asleep, and his parents hang up on Nancy. (laughs) Stop calling here, bitch. (laughs) Freddy calls Nancy back instead. Glenn? Brilliant. What if Glenn tries to call?
you know, we get the famous, it, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Yeah, in a line that seems either written by you or for you. <laughs> your version of it, I feel like, would be like her calling her dad. And, in, <laughs> you know, she can't get a hold of him. And Freddie's like, I'm your daddy now. <laughs> okay, so she gets this call from Freddie. The phone turns into, the bottom part of the phone turns into Freddie's mouth. He jams his tongue in her mouth. Whatever. Do you feel <laughs> like this is breaking the rules, though? Uh, Who is, is asleep she not, here? Is she not sleeping? Well, that's it gets harder to tell, I feel like. Right. Like, uh, when this stuff happens, I'm like, oh, she must be asleep. Is yeah. She, I, I put Nancy is so dazed and sleep-deprived, and it gets harder and like harder falling, to tell. Uh, maybe she's falling in and out of sleep. Yeah. It's hard to tell what is a dream and what is reality, but you no longer see her fall asleep or wake up, so right. you don't really know what... I don't know, because... I think famously Wes Craven watched the second Nightmare on Elm Street film and he was like, I knew right away that they ruined it because what is Freddie doing attacking this party while everyone's awake? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You're breaking the rules. But I was wondering, is, is he breaking his own rules here? I do think it is supposed to be like that is supposed to be part of it. Like you just get to a certain point where you think she's awake, but this is actually telling you that she's asleep. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Glenn, meanwhile, poor Glenn. Sucked into the bed, geyser of blood. Oh, yeah. Just an unbelievable scene. And again, I mean, you watch it now, it seems silly, but I talked about it on the Are You Afraid of the Dark episode of that episode of that show scaring me when I was a kid. But this, I mean, when I saw this on TV, I was just like, holy shit. I, and when I watched it happen, it's nothing. Like, I, I'm fine. Like, that's kind of creepy, whatever. It's the later. It's when I, oh, man, I got to go to sleep now in my own bed. All the lights are <laughs> off. It's like, God damn, I hope this bed doesn't suck me up. Craven was inspired by Stanley Kubrick's The Shining with the blood coming out of the elevators to do this thing. And it's crazy to think about in 84 when A Nightmare on Elm Street came out that The Shining was like a modern thing. Oh, that's true. The Shining yeah. was only like four years old at that point. Yeah. It's kind of just a whole other reality. But just an insane amount of blood coming they out of the bed. They used the same room here. That they did for Tina's room. They okay. redecorated it. They just turned the room upside down and had the blood pouring down, and then they just show it, you know, flipped. Ah, okay. Right. So it looks like it's coming up out. It's really cool. Super effective. Yeah. A cop says to a paramedic, you won't need a stretcher up there. You'll need a mop. <laughs> yeah, which is just, I mean, I will say that is like dark. The fact that his body just goes to, like, non-existent. I think there was a deleted scene where his, like, dead corpse comes up through the bed, too. And that almost ruined it. And it's great right. that they didn't keep that. Yeah, because they do kind of... Making it seem flat. as if he's just been totally liquefied oh, is so much better. Yeah. <laughs> this is an idea that's explored more and more and more in some of the sequels. Just this crazy killing ability that Freddy has that goes beyond just his finger knives. Right. Who knows what he even did to Glenn to turn him into this soup, but <laughs> it happened. Right. <laughs> Nancy's dad back in the movie and on the scene. Well, Nancy kind of makes a deal with her dad, right? I mean, is, right. is it after this? I don't know when yeah, the yeah. whole little deal happens. There's so it, much yeah. blood upstairs, it's leaking through the ceiling down onto the first floor, which is obviously just horrifying for Glenn's parents. Yeah. I mean, what do you even do with this? Right. Nancy talks to her dad on the phone that. while he's across the street at Glenn's house, and she tells him to break down the door of her house and come running in in 20 minutes. So basically, she's across the street. She 
she's so tough and resilient. It's like she knows Glenn is dead, but she's like, I got to handle this. And she's like, come over here in 20 minutes and I'll have the guy that did this. And her dad kind of just blows her off, really. Well, I mean. (laughs) But this is like the whole booby traps thing. She starts setting up all these booby traps, like filling up a light bulb with gunpowder and all this stuff. I don't understand how she's getting all this done in 20 minutes. I don't really understand what her plan (laughs) is either. I mean, I understand that. She's going to pull him back into reality. Well, it's a vague plan. I mean, she's going to pull him back into reality and then. I guess she thinks that if she gets Freddy Krueger into reality. reality, that he'll be able to be killed. Okay. What is that based on? I don't it's know. A hunch? I guess. Very uh, Home Alone vibe, as we mentioned. Nancy somehow finds the time to tuck Mom into bed with another bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Nancy goes to sleep for a final confrontation with Freddy. In her dream, Nancy goes to the basement of her house to look for Freddy's glove. It's not there in the furnace where her mom had left it. She then finds a secret door that takes her down another level into a boiler room, which, as we've talked about, is Freddy's turf. Right. Well, I, so she's sleeping again at this point. Right? Yeah. Yeah. This is her. She goes in. She goes to sleep, and this is the nightmare that she's having. Another chase and a struggle, and she set her alarm, and she's able to pull Freddy into the real world, but her dad is not there to help. Well, he says to the other cops, "Yeah, if anything strange happens, let go, me know." Right. Now, it feels like strange things are happening. Oh, yeah. It takes that cop across the street forever to feel like it's enough to warrant (laughs) telling her dad. Everyone has let Nancy down, which is very similar to where we are at with Tina. It's like Nancy has figured this out. She just needs a little bit of help to get over the hump here, and no one is helping her. Honestly, Freddy kind of stinks in the real world. (laughs) Yeah, I I would agree with that. Nancy is able to elude him and get the better of him over and over, really. And she well, ev- he's out of his turf here. Yeah, she eventually manages to douse him with some kind of liquid. His home record is. much better than his away record. And she lights him on fire. And this is kind of a crazy sequence where they had the stunt guy that does the firework, and he just like stayed on fire. It does forever look to nuts. do this. Yeah, he runs up the stairs, then gets knocked down the stairs, then starts running up the stairs again. It was a really long take of someone being on fire. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit dangerous. Finally, Dad and the other cops show up. There's been shit going on. Like, windows are breaking and stuff. Yeah, Nancy keeps breaking (laughs) windows because she's barred into the house. (laughs) So she's trying to get their attention. They don't know what's going on. Cop across the street just like, "Mm, doesn't seem like anything to me. Instead of being trapped in the basement where Nancy left him on fire, Freddie has gone upstairs and is now smothering Marge in her bed while he's still being engulfed in flames. And Dad, aka Lieutenant Don, puts out the fire. Marge, who I always feel, I, yeah, I feel like this is so weird how this happens. With he just sort of retreats to Marge's room. Who, Freddie? Yeah. Well, I think he just ran up to attack her while. Nancy went and opened the door for the cops and her dad. Yeah, he was like, well, I'm going to give up on this one, but I'll just go for Marge. He's just trying I'll to just cause go for the mayhem. Easy target. Yeah. Marge is one of the people that apparently... Well, that's true. ...killed him. I yeah. don't know why he's attacking their kids. I mean, I guess... I think that was the, the revenge. Yeah, it's revenge, yeah. but might as well yeah. go after some of the people who actually did the deed if That's a can. good point, yeah. Lieutenant Don puts out the fire, but Marge is now a burn-up skeleton, <laughs> and she just sinks into the bed yeah, and, and I, disappears. I, I will say, it seems like the people in the room don't really care. Not that broken up about no. it. <laughs> <laughs> she was kind of a drag, yeah. honestly. 
for people who love to listen to our show all the way until the very end, they know that we like to put a little comedy clip after the last song. I think that the clip for this episode will have to do with this moment. It's oh, pretty okay. funny. All right. Well, that's so a tease for you. Stay tuned for that. Freddie MIA, though, at that moment, they're like, they put out Marge. She sinks into the bed and disappears, and then the bed becomes normal again. Freddie, where is he? Meanwhile, also, if you're like the detective at this point, it's just like, how the hell do you explain this now? Yeah, my ex-wife is missing. How am I going to ever explain this? <laughs> <laughs> Don just inexplicably leaves the room, leaving Nancy by herself. It's like, you just witnessed something supernatural happen. You saw that skeleton disappear into yeah, the bed. Yeah, he's like, all right, Nancy, you clean up in here. I'm going to go downstairs. And that's when Freddie emerges from the bed. And I don't know when the exact moment is supposed to be, but at some point, Nancy made a realization about Freddy. I guess she was remembering something that Glenn had told her about things from dreams or something, but she just realizes that, like a lot of movie monsters, Freddy is powered by his victim's fear and belief. And once Nancy understands this, she has all the power. And when he emerges from the bed, she turns her back on him, and she's literally like, "Your shit." <laughs> <laughs> she, I think she, de- she actually says, "Your shit, you're yes. nothing." I know you're there, Freddie. I know you too well now, Freddy. No. You die. It's too late, Kruger. I know the secret now. This is just a dream. You're not alive. This whole thing is just a dream. I want my mother and friend again. I take back every bit of energy I gave you. You're nothing. You're shit. This causes Freddy to basically just evaporate and disappear. Yeah, well, she figured it out. She cracked the code. And I don't know, I guess the implication is that the whole thing was a nightmare. Well, I guess it, it is because in only her nightmare, really, right? Everything from the beginning of the movie was just her nightmare. I guess. Because the other kids are all alive. And it's funny because, you know, Wes Craven, so often associated with horror and with scary stuff, he prefers the idea that she has defeated Freddy and that that is the end. Yeah. But the studio wanted a different ending. They wanted the possibility for sequels. So... We watched about 10 of these alternate endings, almost all pretty much the same. Yeah, slight variations on them. So Nancy opens her mom's bedroom door, and instead of stepping out into the hallway or wherever, she steps outside into bright daylight. Her mom and friends are all alive again. Glenn rolls up in a convertible. The way that the, the these other characters in it. interact with each other, it almost makes you wish that they just stayed dead. <laughs> I guess the idea is you can't tell anymore which is the dream and which is the reality. Right. Because the way they're acting in this is kind of strange. She pulls that top out, gives it a spin. Marge is basically like, you know what? 
they say it's rock bottom when you can't remember the night before, so I've decided I'm not drinking ever again. <laughs> it's just that simple. At that point, yeah, you're just like, okay, this is definitely not real. And all the kids are in Glenn's convertible, but then the roof pops up, and it's the same design as Freddie's sweater, like the red and green stripes. Right. Freddie takes control of the car as they're driving away. You don't really see what happens, but then Marge, back at the house, is grabbed and pulled through the front door window. Kind of a shocking ending. A la, <laughs> looks ridiculous too. It looks like a, yeah, a doll. Well, oh, yeah, they they did it in one take. Yeah. It's clearly like a, a dummy. But yeah, I mean, a la Friday the Thirteenth or Carrie. You know, you have that last shock moment and then it ends. Right, but it kind of it just it doesn't feel like it fits with the rest of the movie. No, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Because what was the whole scene before it? What, right. What did happen then? It seemed like Nancy won, and then there was just more. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, that's the thing, and it's kind of hard to come to grips with because it is. that's always like a struggle for me, the whole thing of just, oh, yeah, we're going to undo everything that you just watched. Yeah. And they kind of do it twice here. <laughs> like First, they're like, oh, no, everything was a dream. And then they're like, oh, no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, so you, by the end, you're not really sure what the thing. Right. For people who aren't super into horror movies, maybe they don't understand, but I think people that like horror want there to be rules and want it to be understandable. Well, that's always the they thing. They don't want it I to mean, just be anything. You and I talk about it kind of all the time where it's just like whatever it is, whatever sort of, even if it's not horror, like whatever level of like supernatural or fiction that you're doing, we're kind of willing to go wherever as long as you establish this universe and establish like clear parameters of like yeah. what can be broken and what can't. Yeah. Once you establish whatever the rules are, you are free to do whatever you want within those rules. Yeah. But if you break your own rules, then what's the point? It cheapens the stakes. The stakes yes. are no longer there because it doesn't matter then. I would agree. But overall, though, I still love it. I don't think the ending is great. No, no. No. But overall... A lot of fun. Oh, for sure. Nancy, I mean, true definitely warrior. like, yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I still just think that whole idea of a killer that kills you in your dreams is just a great idea. And again, not just for like those sequences, but what really kind of creeps me out is just that idea of being awake and just being so afraid of falling asleep. Yeah. For me, I think I would be able to last like a day or so. And then I'd be like, you know what? Just kill me. Then. I know. Pretty <laughs> I'm much. Too tired. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> What did you think about Freddy versus Jason? I did see that in theaters. It didn't have like a huge lasting impression on me. I, that was the only time I ever saw it. I do remember there being like some funny parts in it, but I was in high school when it came out. I, I don't know if I was really, I knew it was going to be like kind of a joke, but I guess I didn't really know how to take it. Yeah, it's probably not as bad as you think, but it's not great. There are funny parts in it. There's some interesting ideas in it. I think there's potential, and if they ever revisit that it. world of yeah. trying to do these monsters versus each other. Because what you can do is, for the lead-up, you can have the best of both worlds. Like You yeah. have Freddy Krueger killing people his way, and then Jason killing people his way, and then eventually it builds towards them against each other or whatever. Yeah. And I think the director was going for like the classic monster movie, like Godzilla versus King Kong, like that kind of idea. Yep. And it's not a straight-up horror movie. It's more well, of it like is a weird. battle I thing, mean, I think, like, obviously, you know, we're going to suspend some disbelief here, but I think I was always just like, well, 
how is Jason going to fight Freddy when Freddy is like exists within dreams? I can't remember how they did it. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. But I think by the time they got to Freddy versus Jason, the rule book had been thrown out the window. Anyway. I would say it seems like it. Yeah. There's so many of these Nightmare on Elm Street movies that I have not seen. So it's hard for me to even kind of weigh in. But I do like this one. Some of the Nightmare on Elm Streets are probably as bad or worse than even the worst of the Friday the 13th. Because for the most part with Friday the 13th, they're never great, but you know what you're getting for the most part. And they're all kind of the same. Whereas some of the stuff they got into in Nightmare on Elm Street is pretty dumb and terrible. I'm sure. But... A Nightmare on Elm Street, for the most part, I mean, it. the original, it's in that classic level that's probably above anything that Friday the 13th ever did. It's on par with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's probably a rung yeah. below Halloween, but yeah. it's good enough to be considered a, a horror classic. And I think... Certainly introduce an iconic character. Yeah, and I think it's sometimes that can hurt it. Yeah. When it becomes a franchise, people forget that the first one was actually really great. Right, and it right. isn't some bullshit. I mean, Halloween had to go through that plenty of times. Where it, do you some think of the we'll ever kind of return to the kickoff of slasher horror? That's not like a remake of one of these old ones. I mean, I'm sure that there's. If we thought about I guess it, like, there's attempts. I know what you did last summer in the late '90s. Well, yeah, that kinda. was in the Scream wave. Yeah, which was the meta, right? Slasher movies. You never know what's around the bend. I think Blumhouse I don't know, puts out so much stuff that you never know what's going to hit. That's true. Going through this wave, the way that kind of the horror genre has evolved over the years, because the big kind of run through the 2000s was the Saw movies and then the Paranormal Activity movies. I don't really know what we're in now. The Purge. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. At some point, I guess... You kind of fall into your own nostalgia and you only care about the things you already cared about because I, I don't know. If, I thought the first Saw movie was okay. Oh, me too. And then after that, I was not interested and I saw a few of them and I was just like, yeah, they're dumb. And I was out by like the third or fourth one completely. Yeah, me too. And then Paranormal Activity, I hated the first one. I thought it was so boring. Yeah, I definitely... And I don't think I saw the second one. I actually enjoyed the third I one. I liked the third one, too. I know we saw that in the theater. That was the one that the guys that did, like, Catfish did, I think, maybe? Possibly. I know it's, the like... The retro take, one. Right, yeah. With the VHS. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that one was actually fun. I liked that one. But, yeah, I don't... I don't know. There's there's no memorable characters, though. I guess Insidious and Conjuring are the new Oh, that's things, true. Yeah, I guess there's a lot with that stuff. They're not really, like, slasher movies. There's no slasher movies. Right, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they're bringing back Halloween here pretty soon. So. No, I know. I just didn't know. You know, are we ever going to get one of these characters again? Probably not. Yeah. Who knows, though? All right. So that'll do it for this one. We got one more entry into the greatest wow. October in the history of forever coming up for you. And then we will go back to the regular stuff. So thank you for listening. Follow the show on Twitter at greatest pod. Subscribe to our show on iTunes. And we will see you next time. It was all a dream. I used to read word up magazine, something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine, hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack With the hat to match Remember rapping Duke? The hard, the hard You never thought that hip-hop would take it this far Now I'm in the limelight cause I
I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world's trade. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid Capri. Funk Master Flex, Love Bug Star Ski. I'm blowing up like you thought I would. Call a crib, same number, same hood. It's all good. Uh. And if you don't know, now you know, nigga. Personal with Robin Leach, and I'm far from cheap. I smoke stuff with my peeps all day. Spread love, it's the Brooklyn way. The Moet and Alize keep me pissy. Girls used to diss me, now they write letters 'cause they miss me. I never thought it could happen. This rapping stuff. I was too used to packing gats and stuff. Now honeys play me close like butter play toast. From the Mississippi down to the East Coast, condos and queens in dough for weeks. Sold out seats to hear Biggie Small speak. Living life without fear, putting five carrots in my baby girl ear. Lunches, brunches, interviews by the pool. Considered a fool 'cause I dropped out of high school. Stereotypes of a black male misunderstood, and it's still all good, uh. And if you don't know, now you know, nigga. The mother's corpse, burnt to a crisp, sinks into a blue abyss. Look, isn't that Saxon's wife? Yeah. He seems oddly nonplussed. They're divorced. Oh, okay. Well, then she I... was a bitch. Yeah. Well, there's an extra seven fifty a month I don't gotta spend. That's what he's thinking right now. You know what Saxon should have yelled there? Now you deal with her bullshit, <laughs> Kruger. He should have yelled that as she sunk into the bed. <laughs> She's your problem now, Krugs. <laughs> By the way, watch your credit cards, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know, it's another way the movie could have gone.